Hello and welcome to the Yellow Soul Podcast. I am your host, Juliet Marhofer Duggar. Oh man, I hope this is the best part of your day. I am so glad you're here with us again. I have an incredible guest. Her name is Candace Swarthout. She and I go back about 10 years, and her story of resilience is absolutely fascinating. How she turned her pain into power. And she is using her story for the greater good. She is inspiring so many through her platform. Let's dive in and get started for this dialogue today. I have so much to share with you and she does too. Let's go. I have the pleasure today of interviewing an incredible female and she is also a dear friend. We've been working on putting this together for a couple of years. I think this has been in the making and we are going to talk about her story and how she got into her very fascinating line of work. But Candace, let's go back a little bit, but I want to say hi to you and welcome hi. to the Yellow Soul Podcast. Yes, I'm so happy to finally be here with you. I know it's been a journey to get here. <laughs> yeah, we've been talking about this for a while. <laughs> we have, but we go back more than a couple of years of talking about the podcast. Uh, we met, has it been, I think we were just talking about this 10 years. I think it's been 10 years. Yeah. yeah. So we met when we were both becoming certified in hard style kettlebell mm -hmm. and we just naturally gravitated towards each other. I can't remember if we just picked each other or if, if someone picked us. I think we another, picked but each other. Yeah, it was just, like I remember somebody saying like, grab a partner. And I remember just looking at you and like, be my <laughs> <Yeah>. partner. <laughs> Love at first sight. I know. Yes, exactly. Yes. And then, so our day progressed through the grueling kettlebell swings and the Turkish getup and mm -hmm. goblet squats. And so we ended up at lunch together and that's when you shared a story with me and some very riveting details that I have never forgotten. Tell us a little bit about whatever you want to start with would be great. Okay. So I started my first career as, is as a dental hygienist and I was, I practiced for probably, well, I've been practicing now for pretty close to 25 years. And at one point, probably about 15 years in, I started to realize that I was super burned out. Like my body was hurting. I had some neck issues and I just needed out. Like I need, I need out of this. I started just trying to figure out what do I want to do? What do I want to, what do I want to do in my life? What do I want to be when I grow up? And I tried PA school for a while. I mean, I tried to get into PA school. So I was doing night classes. I was taking, you know, chemistry until 11 o'clock at night after working all day, just really like, what do I want? What do I want? And I finally realized that psychology would be a great place for me to land. I had, um, had a close to a minor in psychology already from my, my bachelor's degree. And I started looking into that and I was like, I could go back and I could be a counselor. And as a hygienist, we have like this, you know, I don't know how you have what your relationships like with your dental hygienist, but we make these really cool relationships with our patients. And there's just something about that. Like there's something about being um, the hygienist and, and working in somebody's mouth. Like we just make friends and family with the people that we treat. And we have these ongoing lifelong, you know, we see people grow up and get married and yes. come back with their kids. And it's just cool. Like it's a really cool environment. And so I thought that would be like this really cool transition for me into counseling. And so that's what I decided to do. But my plan was <laughs> that I was going to um, leave dentistry. Like I was going to go be a counselor. I had like the, 
the office that I was going to have decorated in my head, you know, it was this cute little office in downtown Rockwell on the lake. And, you know, I had, it was all there. It was all, you know, cute and Joanna Gaines and all that stuff. And so, (laughs) so I ended up taking a little just part-time clinical position at the college that's the dental hygiene college in my town. And I was like, you know, this would be cool while I'm in grad school. I'll, I'll work here for half a day and it'll keep my foot in the door with dentistry. And then maybe even after I graduate, I'll, I'll do this still maybe a day a week. So that turned into two days. And then that turned into them saying, Hey, do you want a full-time job here? And I said, no. And then weeks went by and they said, are you sure you don't want this full-time job? So it ended up that I agreed. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll do it for one year and see if I like it or not. So I'm in my eighth year there (laughs) at the college teaching dental hygiene. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So I graduated with my uh, degree in counseling and development. I did get my LPC. So the years working full-time at the college teaching dental hygiene and getting my LPC hours was a lot for me. It was one of those things that I didn't know if I would actually survive that. I I remember having a morning, like walking in kind of, I felt terrible. I'm like, you know what, if I passed out in the parking lot, I could go to the hospital and I could sleep. And I was like, okay, I'm in a bad spot here. I need to rest. (laughs) If I'm wishing to go to the hospital for rest, I need to, I need to figure my life out, you know? So, um, yeah, I gotta, I gotta get some, I gotta get some things together here. So Um, but one of the things that really kept me in that place in dentistry was what I had shared with you that day when we were having lunch. And that is that I had been at, as a student counselor, I was at this event and the lady who was my supervisor at the time, she, she came up to me and she said, I've been meaning to talk to you. She said, it occurred to me the other day, I remember that you were a dental hygienist. And she said, I have a client that it takes like three or four appointments before she goes to see her hygienist to get her teeth clean for her to get, for her, us to work on her anxiety, just to go to the dentist. And then she, and I thought, gosh, three or four appointments seems like, you know, there must be something serious going on with her. And then she looks at me and she says, because I'm sure you know this since you're a hygienist that there is a connection between childhood sexual abuse and dental fear. And Juliet, I had no idea. Mm. And I sat there for a moment and I, I lied to her. <laughs> I looked her in the face and I go, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. I know. And I just stood there feeling like kind of shameful that mm. as a hygienist that had been one for so long, you know, at that point it was probably could have been, I don't know, 15, 16 years, somewhere around there. And then here I am training to be a counselor. I had not put these two things together. Wow. And were you in shock when, when she gave you this piece of information, were you just in shock? Yes, I was. And I was, had all these people flash through my mind of patients that I was thinking it's her and it's her and it's her. And I just, I, I was just processing this information. And so I went out to my car and I got on my phone and I got in the uh, library of the college where I was studying. And I just plugged in, I searched in the library and the database and all these articles came up and I was like, Oh my gosh, I thought, you know, if I haven't heard of this, how many other people who work in dentistry have not heard this and how maybe they don't know it. It was like in that moment, I thought I have to spread the word. I have to do this. And so I ended up writing an article Almost immediately, I got um, a proposal accepted to one of the national dental magazines. 
and wrote my first article on it. And then within, I would say probably a year, I did my first speaking event on it. And since then, I actually just did it this last Saturday to dental professionals, but it's just every time that I present it, the looks on people's faces and the, um, what they come up and say to me afterwards. And I think they have the same, they're having the same response that I initially had, which was how do, how do we not know this? Like, how are we not making these connections? And then they tell me about the same thing I said, like, I can think of all of these patients. I can see their faces and I can think about my interaction with them and the interactions with them sometimes are very exaggerated or they're very exhausting. And I can talk about that too. If you, I don't know how much you want me to go into that. Well, I just find it fascinating that you talked about you were in that field for 15 or 16 years before you had that piece of information. When you Mm -hmm. and I were sitting at lunch that day, my jaw dropped thinking of clients and even people that I, I know in different conversations that shared their fear of dentistry and how, how much they hated going and their anxiety. And, but the connection for me went beyond that. It was thinking back and a few conversations of, they, they said, I can't put my finger on why I feel so afraid. I don't know why I feel, feel the fear because in conversations in that soul care process that women go through and step into, there's so many connections that, that they begin to make through the uncovering of suppressed trauma and it, Mm -hmm. and it can take a while for that to unravel. So when you shared that with me that day, I I was in shock too, just like you were that day of just that, that connection and so many conversations beginning to make sense. And I do want to touch on how you present and the information that you share, because it's phenomenal what you, what you do. And I definitely want to get to that. Is there a, was there a story for you that in that moment, when she shared that as you're scouring articles and information in the library, is there a a situation or an encounter with a patient that even maybe just some details with being able to still stay, stay somewhat discreet that, that, came to mind for you? Yeah. uh, There was one lady in particular, um, actually sisters, um, that they, they were fine until they walked through the doors and would just fall apart. And they would try so hard to, you know, they would look at me and say, I'm going to, I want to do this today. I really want to get through it. Let's try, let's try. But they would cry. Like as soon as I would lay them back in the chair, there would be tears. There would be you know, their body language would be um, holding onto the chair, you know, ba- me barely touching them, or maybe even just putting the mirror in their mouth. They might say, I need you to stop. I need you to stop. And, and neither of them, one would come more often. She, I think she really wanted to try to get through the fear because she wanted to take care of herself and take care of her body and her mouth. But there was, I could tell that she, she didn't understand why. And she would even say that to me. She's like, I don't know why I'm so afraid here because you've never done anything to me. A dentist has never done anything to me that would make me fearful. I don't know why I'm so afraid here. And so she was the person like, I can see her face right now talking to you. I can tell you with hundred percent, that's where she was coming from, but she could not make the connection. And at that point, what you're sharing with, with us is that this is, this is a scenario that happened before you knew about the connection, right? This is something that came to your mind as you're scouring and looking for this information. And so these different faces of clients are coming up in your mind. And 
I can only imagine what you were feeling and, and the empathy that must have just overwhelmed you in those moments. And so what shifted in you? What, what was this fire almost that just came into your life to begin to pursue and, and really, was there anything in your own life combining with the, the stories of these clients uh, that you could just the pain in someone else's life that you could begin to relate to? And because so much of the time I find that what we pursue and the path that we go down connects us to what we've, what we've walked through the fires in our own life that we've walked through. And so can yes. you share a little bit with us about that? Yeah, I think, you know, more of that has come out later on because at the time when I was going through all this, um, I don't know if I was consciously making the connections, you know, like I knew that there was something about that, that I was um, very, very empathetic and compassionate towards. And I, I wanted to go back to all those patients. Like I, the people who came to mind, I just had like this feeling of, I want to just reach out to them and hold them and, you know, tell them it's okay. And I can help you. And, and, um, but later, you know, as I have progressed in my career and, and speaking to dental people, one of the things I speak about now quite often, it's very much connected to this trauma or being a trauma-informed care, a trauma-informed care, um, clinician is that people who are being trafficked. So as, as a dental provider or healthcare provider, we now in Texas anyway, have to train in recognizing trafficked persons and how to report that and so forth. And one of the things that really came out in my studies around that and, and about being a trauma-informed clinician is this idea of trauma bonds mm. where um, people who are in these abusive relationships, they get, they get caught up in the cycle of the abuse, you know, where um, you are either everything that is good or you are everything that is bad in this relationship and it goes in a cycle. And so with my connection to that was that I was in a marriage for nine years that was emotionally abusive. And the interesting thing was that I could not, when I talked to you, I couldn't have told you that I would have, if you and I had talked about my marriage at the time, I would have faked it that I was happy, but I knew that there was something not right. Mm -hmm. And so I went to therapy and I went, I jumped to therapist for a while because I couldn't place it. Like I was like, it's me. It must be me. There's something wrong with me. And I finally had a therapist say to me, she goes, canvas, do you, what do you know about emotional abuse? And I was like, I don't really, I'm just learning about it. I don't know a lot about it. And she's like, I want you to take this book. And I said, I can't take this book home. And so she made copies out of a chapter and I went and read it in the car and every single word I was like, this is my marriage. This is my marriage. This is my marriage. And so I got rid of the pages and then I downloaded it on my Kindle. Cause then I felt like I could read it that way in private, you know, without carrying a book into my house. As I read every page, I started to realize that it, not me. Like I am in an emotionally abusive marriage. And so I started to try the things, you know, like the things that you could try to do for yourself to, you know, the boundaries and the saying no and all that. And sometimes it would work. And sometimes it was, it wouldn't work, but it took me five more years. I stayed for five more years before I finally had the courage to walk out on that. And so when I speak to people about, you know, this dental thing carrying over and talking about 
you know, people that have been in these situations with trauma bonds, man, I, I connect to that so much. And I'll share a little bit of that with my audience, not a lot of it, but that, what that feels like, you know, to be, to be pulled in that cycle of, um, being the queen to being dirt basically, you know, over and over and over again. Yes. And the reality is, is that you're teaching this Mm -hmm. and you have an audience of individuals who statistically, you know, sitting there, how many of those people in your audience are also in those types of relationships. Yes. And they haven't recognized it yet. So in the midst of you teaching and and sharing, you're educating. And then I know as they're sitting there, there's resonation and there's some light bulbs coming on. I, I can only imagine that sometimes your audience is very quiet and still. Very, very. And sometimes it's, it's not, I'm not going to say sometimes I'm going to say every time it's actually the reaction that I want, because when I get that stillness and quietness from the audience, I know that it's moving people, you know, they, they are something's moving in them. And I'll put little pieces about my story out there, just little tidbits in hopes that somebody might come talk to me afterwards, because I think they're so I think there are so many people that are in emotionally abusive relationships and they don't know what it is. They can't identify it. And since they're not being physically abused, it's not, they don't consider it abuse. They feel crazy. They feel like it's them. You know, they get caught up in that cycle and that trauma bond where you, you go back and you go back and you do the makeup and you're back in that honeymoon phase. And I don't, I don't know that so many people, they just don't recognize it. I agree. And a victim of abuse in those systemic cycles and patterns is groomed to be in that system. When you say trauma bond, I refer to that as a structural stronghold within that relationship. And it simply means it has a stronghold of you. And the times that people have said, why do they go back? Why do they stay? And the reality is when you've been in that for so long, that is what you know, that is your norm. That is the level at which you value yourself. Yes. And when you stand and you share and you speak and you have those moments of vulnerability to share your story with your audience and they connect to that humanity, what they begin to feel is, okay, she's experienced some pain and the attention begins to to shift and they lean in a little bit, a little Mm -hmm. bit more. Mm-hmm. Because for it's just like for you, once this was revealed in your life and, and you, it took you five more years to, the, to have that courage and the awakening and the transition to be able to go from the trauma bond and go through the stage in the process of, of healing and being able to come to that place of not, I can't do this anymore, but I won't. I'm not going to do it anymore. I won't do this anymore. And when you said you're done, there was a day that came that you actually meant I'm done. Absolutely. Yes. I can tell you the day and I was, I was done. And, you know, I want to touch on what you said about people saying, well, why do they stay or why do they go back? And there's this place of that grooming piece is that the beginning of the relationship is so good. 
because that person will love bomb you and love bombing. You know what? It feels good, right. To be somebody's everything to be, um, you know, the, for me, it was like making meals and buying things and going places. And, and then you start to see the little signs that go, Oh, that didn't feel right. Something in my gut doesn't feel right. Mm. But that, that love bombing and that being the princess or whatever you want to call it, being everything that is good. It always comes back when it does. You think, gosh, this is, see, I knew he could be the man I knew he could be. Right. I knew, I knew he was there. He was there all along. This is the man he showed me he was when I met him and it's still there, but this time it's going to stick. Yes. This time will be different. This time will be different. Yep. And you go around and you go around and you go around and you do it over and over again. And, and then yes, standing in front of the audience and being able to express that from a place of experience. I think you're right. I think that does help me connect with them and with students too, because I teach a lot of young women, Uh, dental hygiene attracts females mostly. Like right now I have 15 females in my class and we occasionally have a male and I look at their faces every year. And I, I don't know, I just have like this thing where I'm like, even if I don't know their story, I know at least one of them is in an abusive relationship. I know it. And so I put it out there to them too. And I do it in little bite sizes and I do it in, you know, like, cause I, I have to, I want to have really good boundaries with them because I'm, you know, not there to be their friend and they're there to be their instructor, but I want them to know that I come from that place. So if they think they're in that place that they can come to me and talk to me about it. And it's interesting when you look back at your, at your life, had you encountered a student that was in an abusive relationship and you were still in that abusive relationship, Mm -hmm. the chances of you being able to really recognize that they were in one too, as opposed to being like, Oh girl, yeah, my, you know, my man too. (laughs) Yes. Or yeah. As a, you know, just thinking that, oh yeah, me too, that that's, that's the, you know, that's normal. And then when you step into a journey of wholeness and you come out of that and you begin to heal, that's when you realize, oh, this is, this is when we say love is blind because everyone else around us, well, maybe not everyone, but there seems to be someone or a few around us that can see what we can't. Yeah. There's some healthy individuals around us, someone that sees some signs and we justify the behavior and it reinforces us to stay in those relationships. Fast forward to you being with these students, you can see, you can, you can recognize those signs because of what you've come from. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. There are, I I can think about a few people that were close enough that would say, well, I noticed that, but I thought you were okay with that. You know, they would, they would recognize things that maybe didn't seem right. They didn't feel right to them, but because of the way I responded to it, they thought that I was okay with it. And so they would let it go and not say anything to me about it. But once I left, then they would say, you know, they would tell me the things that they recognized. It is challenging when, when you're in relationship, like with your girlfriends and, or, or maybe it's a family member that you have relationship with. And like you said, that they said that 
we thought you were okay with it. How can we become better at really pursuing and fighting for the hearts of women that were in their lives when we begin to recognize those signs of abuse and that Mm -hmm. it's, you know, the justification that that begins to happen where it seems like, oh, well, I guess she's, she's, she's okay with that. You know, I mean, if it's, I mean, if it's good for them, if it were, but we walk away with that feeling burrowing in our gut where we just know uh, it just doesn't sit right with me. How can we get better at really fighting for each other's heart and that, and really walking in love and walking, walking alongside someone when we, we really do know that something is off in that relationship. God, I think that's such a hard question. Um, It's a hard answer because a lot of times when we're in it, well, okay. So looking at it from, if I'm looking at a friend that I think is going through this, it's scary to bring it up because you don't want to, like my thought process could be, I don't want to jeopardize our friendship or I don't want her to think I think something bad about him or, you know, you don't, you want to preserve some things in the relationship. And so there's that fine line of what do you say and how do you bring it up? Because me on the other side of it, I wonder if somebody had said something to me during how I would have responded. And I probably would have had so much shame around it that I probably would have um, put walls up with that person. Yes. I mean, I just wanted to ask you that hard question because that's what I get asked. <laughs> I know it is. It is such a hard question. So I thought, hey, I'll turn the tables on Candace and, and put her in the spotlight and grill her well, for a minute. <laughs> I'll tell you there. there are, company. No, no, exactly. <laughs> we can create conversations and and keeping the the focus love and letting the the hearts of the females around us when we see someone really going through it and they don't recognize the signs that we don't sit in a seat of judgment against that person, against that relationship, that we aren't quick to offer an opinion Mm -hmm. that we can walk in love and let them know I'm here for you and I love you and I am a soft and safe place for you to land. And I'm I'm here to, and that love will, will keep chipping away at those walls and, and disarm and defeat the lies of the enemy and the undertow that is so present in, in their life and in their, you know, what's just their soul being ravaged and continuing to put it in front of them. I'm here for you. And I love you. And I, and I really love that because I think that the hard things to hear, you know, when you're going through something like this, the people that I would have separated myself from would have been the people that said, girl, you need to leave him, right? You, that, that's not right. It's, it were, it was the people who really did love me through it. Like my best friend, Amber, she's always like, she's so non-judgmental of me ever. I don't, doesn't matter what I do. She's like, okay, you know, there's no judgment of me. Mm-hmm. And she's so just held me in that space Shout for so long. Amber. Shout out to Amber. <laughs> Amber, I need you in my corner. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, she just does this beautiful job of holding the space for you and saying, mm-hmm. I'm here to listen to you. I'm here. She would give me advice if I asked for it. And she just let me be in it and listen and love me through it. But when I knew 
here's one of the reasons, the things that I knew it was time that she told me, I called her one day and I told her something that happened. And she said, you need to pack your stuff and you need to get the hell out of there today while he's out of town. Mm-hmm. She never, ever once told me what to do. Never had she told me what to do. And because those words came out of her mouth, I f- it felt so powerful to me because it was like, she reserved that, you know, she reserved that for the time that it needed to be said, whether she knew she was doing it or not, but because she had just held me in it for so long that when she like put this hammer down and said, it's time girl, it's time. She never says this to me. She never says this to me. And her love, what we don't often think about when we, when we hold that space of love, we keep a bridge built and we let that other person know that you can, you can walk back and back and forth across this bridge and I'm here for you and I love you. And there may be those times in our relationships with someone who is in a, in a toxic or an abusive relationship where we may have the seasons of our friendship where we need to, we need to step a little bit further at the end of that bridge and love them a little bit at a distance. But the important thing is, is to let them know that they're loved and that, that you are there. Right. Yes. That, hey, yes. there's times where we say, I love you. You know where to find me. I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm not going anywhere, but I, that's so powerful. Her words landed and they carried so much weight because she had, she just had that, that love and that trust that she, that she built with you. And it, and you knew she said, Hey, warrior rise up. <laughs> yep, she up. did. She did. She's like, pack it up, girl. Up. Let's go. And I said, okay, I'll do it. I'm doing it. <laughs> and she just, she really cultivated courage in you in that moment. She did. She did. Yeah. And then never like she pulled me through it. Like after she said those words, she didn't back down from them, mm-hmm. you know, and after she knew that I was ready, then it was like, she kept pushing me through to the other side because she knew, she knew I was ready to do that. And I was, I was absolutely, okay. it was, you know, like that day you had talked about, like when you have that day, when you say I'm done, I'm done. Yeah. It's so good. Yes, absolutely. And when we have, when we have that love and that trust, then we have that place in someone's life to be able to have that voice. And when, when we speak, they actually will, will listen. And that may be, you know, we keep loving that other person and, and hold on to the hope that there's going to come a day when they decide that day is going to come, that they will have that day that they decide today's the day. Yeah. Today's the day that I want to make a change and that I refuse to stay in this and refuse to, to live like this. And I have a future that I want to want Mm -hmm. to create. And I want to talk about the future that you've created because you have taken all that pain and turned it into a powerful platform. And you talked about your counseling and your dental hygienist journey. And tell me more about how you have woven those together and what you created, which is absolutely phenomenal. So, um, I think just this, you know, this place where I can share these stories with people and that my own growth, you know, that the, the growth I've done within myself, as far as being able to see where I need to do my own soul work and what that looked like for me and still looks like for me every day, you know, because you, you're, we're always healing from these things, I believe, you know, and we're always 
growing and, and doing that hard work. And so, um, I feel like I've been able to step into a really healthy, good, mature relationship with somebody. And it's been, I'm going to say probably maybe the only mature, healthy relationship I've ever been in, in my adult life or my whole life, which is amazing. It's been, and that's me working on myself all the time and realizing, and that work has really come from me learning what parts are my child self and which parts are my adult self in the relationship and how I behave in those places. So, you know, when I have feelings come up or when I have, um, reactions to things that taking that time to stop and say, okay, sis, where's this coming from? Right. Are you, (laughs) is this the little girl or is this the adults? Right. And so if it's coming from the little girl, she and I have a talk and we move on, but if it's coming from an adult, my adult, then I know I need to address it within my relationship. And so that's been just one of the most powerful things that I think that I've been able to create this really healthy place in this loving relationship with another person that I didn't really even know it could exist in this way. And then, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. It's been, it's been pretty amazing. Yeah, I know you look good when you're in love. And I had the privilege of saying hi earlier to your guy. So that yeah. was so, so circle back to that for just a moment. What you said is, is really, is really powerful. So you talk about yourself as a, as a child, and then also you have moments that you encounter as an adult. Can you share a little bit more about when you recognize that it's coming from your childhood? as opposed to what you're experiencing as an adult, what does that look like for you in that moment? Is it you embracing little Candace and putting your arm around her and inviting, inviting her in to redeem that part of your life? What, what happens for you in that moment? I usually, if I stop and really think about if I'm feeling a certain way, if I'm reacting a certain way, I can, if I really stop and think about where is this coming from? And if it's coming from that childhood part of myself, I can always, it's so interesting. I can always trace it to, I feel unimportant. Mm. That's why I feel this way in this moment, because I feel unimportant and I have to dig through the anger. I have to dig through shame. I have to dig through whatever it is, whatever comes up in that moment, jealousy, whatever it is. And almost always, if I can pull out at the bottom of that pile, I'm unimportant. I'm like, oh, this is coming from little Kansas, right? This is because that was part of my, you know, without going into that whole piece is part of what I've learned as an adult was one of my, is one of my struggles is that that was part of my soul that needs to be loved and, and replenished. And so When I feel that and when I know that I can just stop and go, this isn't, this isn't coming from, you know, my mature adult self, this is coming from that child place. And then I can stop and nurture that and honor that that's what it is too, and be okay with it and just let myself feel it. And I think that's part of it too, is not trying to just move on from it or stuff it because I'm real good at that. Like I love the brush it under the rug, right? Just act like it's not there, the avoidance, avoid, avoid. And so it's that stopping those avoiding behaviors and sitting in the feeling and then being okay with it, that this is, 
it's, it's how I feel. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like once I can do that and then I can, I can move into now as the adult, what, how do I need to respond to this? Mm-hmm. You know, I love and, that you said digging and sitting and it's, it's not weak or powerless to mm-hmm. sit in that and to, and that you use the word honor, that you honor that part of your story and that you are able to recognize because you've, you've done this now, this has become a rhythm in your life and you know, the growth and the freedom and the healing on the other side of that. So as scary as it can feel to acknowledge that, because we know once we acknowledge it, there's a responsibility that comes to do something with that. And Mm -hmm. that's where the fear can paralyze us or empower us. Because when we allow ourselves to really go there Mm -hmm. and dig, oftentimes we step away from feeling that we give ourselves into getting busy. Oh, I got to run this or I got to run here. Right. And mm-hmm. five years down the road, we still haven't dealt with that. And history repeats itself. And yes, it does. This dysfunction mm-hmm. and these reoccurring feelings that we can't seem to put our finger on. And so, what you are describing is soul care, how, how you're able to, you know, the other day, you and I talked about getting ready for our time together today. We touched on identifying and how important it is to be able to identify and acknowledge what's transpired in our, in our zero to 18 years and, and allow that to point us to mm-hmm. 18 and beyond and be able to, to know that we can, that's, that's how we honor our lives and honor our story and, and heal and be able to step into that journey of wholeness. And you and I, human beings, we, we don't arrive which is beautiful because we are always in process. That is, that is so beautiful, Candace. Thank you for sharing that. And how has that process for you personally, do you find that transpires when you are on stage and and sharing? Because I know that you have also created, you have courses Mm -hmm. that you've also created, correct? For the human trafficking. Can you share- A little bit about when you're and you're on that platform and you're speaking about the the correlation between dentistry and abuse Mm -hmm. that that also led you into human trafficking, Mm -hmm. right? And and Mm -hmm. the correlation with that because that that's also what you teach on in the demo chair, right? When you you can recognize how to recognize human trafficking uh, within patients. Yes. Is that correct? That, oh, yes, yes, you are. So we, um, as, as dental professionals now we train, we have to, we have to do it there, you know, for our license. And, and so I really, when this came up and they're saying, okay, now all dental professionals are going to get this training. I really wanted to take this on because I wanted as a hygienist and a counselor, I wanted to really be able to do it in a way that really was compassionate. And I really wanted to be able to do it in a way that brought home what somebody might be going through in that dental chair, if they are a traffic person and the shame that they might have, because there's so many, there's so much stigma, you know, somebody's prostituting, whether it's because they're doing it consensually or not, 
there's so much stigma to that. And that as a professional, like just stepping back and really trying to put yourself in that person's shoes and understanding all of the pieces and all the reasons that maybe why they're there, that coercion, the, the, um, the force that's, you know, maybe somebody's being forced to do it. And, and even though they might seem like they're there willingly, oftentimes they're not there willingly. And here's the thing too, is a lot of people will ask me, they'll say, why, why do you even teach this? Because who in the world is going to traffic person is going to go to the dental office, right? Like who goes to the dental office if they're being trafficked? Traffic people are chained up in basements somewhere. Right. And so that's so, it's so untrue. It's believed that 80% or not believed, it's known that 80% of people go to a healthcare provider while they're captive. So that's huge. And then the amount of people who get, isn't it? And then the amount of people who get actually recognized and reported in the healthcare facility is so low. Most of the time it's not even recognized or the healthcare person doesn't want to deal with it. They don't know how to deal with it, or maybe they see it, but they don't know what to do. And that belief that traffic people are um, chained up in a basement somewhere is so, so damaging because they're not, they're, they're around us. They're in places that we go. They might be in my chair. If you're a healthcare provider, they might come into your office. They might, if you're a counselor, they might come, come to you for services. And so it's about opening our eyes to what do they look like? Who are they? And then what can we do to help them? And so I have created a class. I give it live. And then I also have a online video class that healthcare providers can just take it and, and do it that way if they want to do it self-study. But I've gotten really just great feedback about how it's helped people realize like the reality of this, of what they go through and, and that they indeed are coming into our offices. And so that's my goal. You know, I always say that if, if it helps one person, if one dental person, one healthcare person, one counselor recognizes reports and that person gets rescued, then it's worth all of my time that I've put into it. Yes. And I, I love your heart and that's, that's who you are. It's your very essence. And for you to have taken your, your own personal pain in your story and allowed that to lead you into an industry that could even cause some triggers for you in your, in your own story. And Mm -hmm. to know that you, I know you, you know, you're precious friend and to know how you've pressed into your own story, how you lean into those really hard places that have been so difficult for you, because in order to help others heal, it's developed such empathy and compassion in you and passion to be able to do what you do and to educate and share with others. And this adventure really that you're on to just share and educate and help others to see, just like you said, what is actually all around us every day, that this Mm -hmm. isn't in third world countries. This is right here on our soil, Mm -hmm. Texas, where we are in the United States. It's all around us. It's, it may be, there may be someone that's, that's involved in that in some way that's 10 minutes from your house. Yes. Or that you just passed by that's standing outside of the gas station. You you don't know. That's what's so amazing about what you're doing is because you're helping us know. You're helping others. You're educating. And that is so much what this is about is the education piece of it. But your heart, it's your heart behind it because you're so impassioned because of your own story and to help others really see the 
the signs of, of the psychological abuse that comes along with that. And so your courses are, I know that they're accredited, yes. but is that available to any healthcare professional or just dentistry? Yes. So it's available to any healthcare professional. So any Texas healthcare professional other than physicians, because they have their own, they have kind of another level that they have to take. So whether you're a acupuncturist, a nurse, a PA, dental, whatever healthcare provider in Texas, you could take my course and it would count towards your requirement. And then if you're a dental or a counselor, I offer continuing education courses on top of the credits on top of it. So if you're a counselor or a dental person, then you can get a kind of double dip into getting CE credit and the requirement for your license. And I'm working on nursing and speech pathologist next. So I'm hoping I can really broaden that to any, any healthcare professional that takes it could get the additional CE courses. You're a rock star. Oh, thank you. It's been a, such a journey. Like just the, we joke because I sat at my computer all summer. I didn't go out. I think I went out one time. I went powder boarding one time all summer. Cause I just was working on this class. And I say, I always say I gave up my tan for the summer, but it was worth it, you know, to <laughs> oh, do girl, this. You're going to look good this year. Oh, I saw a picture <laughs> of my legs from Saturday when I was presenting and I was like, Oh gosh, they're, I need a tan, but just, I would get, I would sit all day and just read and write and put this together and hours and hours would go by. And I can't tell you how many nights Dustin would come up and he would be like, babe, you've <laughs> got, you got to pull yourself away from it. You, you got to rest. You need to let your mind rest. And then I would dream about it. And I would wake up early in the morning or in the middle of the night. And I would be like, I have an idea. I have to go look this up. And he was like, Oh, oh my God, babe, so you, have, you have to rest. But it just is so, I'm so passionate about it that I just get drawn in and I want to learn more and learn more. And it doesn't feel like work to me. And I think that's the thing about it and why I can do it for so long because it doesn't feel like work. And it's why I'm willing to give up my tan to do the work, put the class together. (laughs) You're like, that's when you know. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's when you you know you are doing what you're created to do. Yes, and I'm very excited about where it's going and how many people that I can reach with it. Yeah, you've been invited into some really remarkable spaces Mm -hmm. and your gift has made room for you. And you, you amaze me because you keep saying yes. And sometimes the yes is scary. Cause you know, I'll be I, like, I feel super comfortable when I talk to a, a crowd of dental people, but if they're not dental people, I get super like I, I get, I feel vulnerable. I feel intimidated. Like, am I, you know, am I, am I doing this right? And I just have to show up and do it. And it always turns out that I'm doing it right. You know, it, it, but it's yeah. that, it's just that scary piece of stepping into another arena that I'm not as familiar with, but I keep saying yes to it. Yes. I, I have to, I have to keep saying yes. Cause if the door opens, I, I that's where I need yes. to <laughs> Love it. You just, you, you know what, you step in that space, you say yes. And I don't know that there's a whole lot of risks that I take in my life that don't terrify me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yep. I feel like if it terrifies me, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing the right thing. Yes. And you are into those rooms and you're owning it. You're owning those spaces and, and you are you're taking, you're taking this message in, into so many areas and so many people's lives and professions. And I just see this continuing to 
to expand because so many people need to know mm-hmm. about this. And on that note, how can how can people get in professionals get in touch with you to be able to recommend it? Maybe they want to, it's a hygienist that wants to recommend it to their dentist or take the course or pick it up or someone, another profession that can, how do they, how do they get in, in contact with you? So my website is inspirededucationce.com and the course is on there. So from, from that website, you can do a few things. You can you could get right into the course and take it online, or you can contact me through there. If you would like for me to present it live and I can do live either in person, or I can do that via zoom webinar. So it's inspirededucationce.com. That's great. And we will provide that in the show notes of our podcast today as well, so that people can get in touch with you, Candice. Yeah. Thank you thank so you. much. Thank you for having me. It was You're great. I'm so glad we finally got to do this. A- I know. I love you. It's I love so- you and you're so good at this. I love it. This is so great. <laughs> oh, well, you keep me humble. <laughs> thank you. You're so honoring. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for having me. Another story of a resilient soul. And you're amazing. Thank Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into Yellow Soul today. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And you feel refreshed, inspired, and empowered to share your story of resilience with others. Make sure you subscribe so you're the first to know when new episodes are released. I absolutely adore reading your reviews and seeing how this podcast is empowering your life. So if you haven't yet, it would mean the world to me for you to write one. It reminds me that we are all here for the greater good. And please share with me topics that you would like to hear more about. Also, I would love to hear from you on Instagram. You can find me at Juliet Marho for Duggar where I have so much fun posting your reviews to stir up hope in another soul. Thanks again for holding space for this conversation today and sharing it with your girlfriends. Together, we are inspiring others to begin their own yellow soul dialogue. Cheers, friend. I cannot wait to chat again soon.